Oh, when the red, red robin comes bobbing along, along, there'll be no more sobbing when he starts throbbing his old sweet song. It's time for the West Virginia Nest Podcast. The show's all about the beautiful birds in West Virginia. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at WVNest. Email us your comments or questions at WVNest at gmail.com. When the red, red robin, there comes a bop, bop, bobbin. Oh, when the red, red robin comes bop, bop, bobbin along. Here's your host, Kid Conley. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to The Voice of Greatness. And I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about that guy right there who just introduced the West Virginia Nest podcast. That is the voice of a legend. A West Virginia Broadcasting Hall of Famer, Ernie G. Anderson. One of my heroes growing up. He was the first disc jockey that I listened to at age 10, 11, 12 that made me want to be a disc jockey. Like, I listened to Ernie G on 100 Key FM out of Huntington, West Virginia, in the early to mid-80s, during that whole time slot. And that's that's really when I fell in love with radio. So later on, I got to work with Ernie G when I went into radio, and we became friends, and I told him that he was my hero. He was the first uh, jock that, that I ever emulated and tried to be like and wanted to be like, and, and now we're friends, and I asked Ernie G to be the voice of the West Virginia Nest podcast. And how cool is it that he said yes? So you're going to hear Ernie G now on the podcast with me. We have so much going on, so much to get to. Before we get to anything, I want to remind you that there are baby birds out there in the grass. This happened to a friend of mine. The last part of last week, he was cutting his grass and he accidentally hit some baby birds. Now, he's not a bird fan like we are. You're listening to a bird podcast. I'm doing a bird podcast. We love birds. We'd be traumatized. But this guy's like the best dude in the world. And it was completely by accident. And it happens. It happens. And I'll tell you what's going on out there. We do have chicks. We do have fledglings. Fledglings is in, you know, birds who have just left the nest don't necessarily fly very well. At this point, a lot of them don't even fly as well as I can. And they're leaving the nest. The parents are teaching them to fly. And they're in the grass. Now, the parents have taught these chicks to lay low. Something comes around, lay low. That's not going to work for a lawnmower. So here's what you do. Before you start your yard work, before you start mowing or weed eating or whatever it is you do, do a walkthrough of your yard. That's all you have to do. Just walk around every part of it. Make sure there aren't any baby birds there in the yard. Chances of them coming, uh, you know, between the time you do the walkthrough and get to that point with your lawnmower, pretty slim unless you've got huge property, in which case you may have to do it in sections. But, uh, yeah, the, there are baby birds out there. There are uh, birds that we keep. Typically, it's the ones that we keep year-round that have three broods or three clutches per year. So it's going to be the European starlings. It's going to be some of the finches. Basically, any bird that that has three broods a year, those are the babies that are going to be outside right now. We're talking about fledglings, uh, and it's not even the middle of May yet. So any bird that has three broods a year, those are the chicks that are going to be out there again. And we'll be talking about this all summer long. We'll do it again at the end of June. And then for the late ones, uh, you know, close, a little closer to the fall, we'll be talking about it again. But I'll throw these, these uh, just reminders for you. I've forgotten to do it before. I've just been lucky. But, uh, you know, please do a walkthrough of your yard. If your grass is really tall, take a stick and go through there sort of with a fine-tooth comb before you start mowing. And hopefully we can save some of these babies because I personally could not live with it. Uh, make sure you do the walkthrough on your property. If you got people that come in and do it, mention it to them. Tell them, hey, 
listen, part of the deal is I need you to do a walkthrough before you cut the grass because we might have some baby birds out there, especially if you feed them. That seems to be what goes on. Like the parents, they know where there's a food source. They know not necessarily seeds, but sometimes it is seeds, but suet. I have seen so many parent birds, male and female, lead fledglings to suet because it's soft. They can eat it. They don't have to teach them how to crack up seed or whatever, particularly if you put out suet. Even if these nests aren't on your property, the bird knows that there's suet there. Then it knows where to take the babies to get the suet. And it all starts like this. They all fly down to the ground. The parent, whether it's the mom or the dad bird, will fly up, get the suet, bring it down, repeat that for each of the chicks. Probably by the time they fledge, you're going to be lucky to have three chicks. Very lucky. More than likely, it's going to be two or one. But they fly back and forth and they sort of coax. And I've, I've seen it happen. They coax the babies up to the suet cage until the babies start eating themselves. And at that point, they've learned to eat something. So it's a beautiful process. Just be aware of the baby birds. They're out there. We had questions last week about pest control. I want to talk about that a little bit. In terms of cats and raccoons, I may have another solution. Last week, uh, Rick Blankenship brought up the fact that he's having some issues with outside cats around his yard. And we talked about, you know, cats. They've been devastating to the bird population. We brought cats over here from another country. And for some reason, we thought it would be a good idea to turn them loose. They're killing the birds. So we're trying to uh, get rid of the cats in Rick's area. And I know Rick has problems with raccoons. Many of us have problems with raccoons. If you got bird seed and you got raccoons, the raccoon's going to get in it. Now, that's one thing to to share the food. It's the same thing with squirrels with me. And I'm not anti-squirrel. I think squirrels are beautiful. The problem I have with squirrels, I don't even mind feeding squirrels. Like, I would buy squirrel food and put out for them. But the problem I have with squirrels is that the squirrels tear up the feeders. They break four, five, six of my feeders every year. You have plastic feeders and squirrels, you're not going to have them long. It's just the way it is. And if you have uh, feeders with glass in it, they're going to break it. That's just what they do. They're smart. They're very smart. You ever try to outfox a squirrel? It's very difficult. I got no problem with the squirrels other than the fact that they wreck my stuff. And feeders are not cheap. You guys know that. So uh, may have an answer or at least another solution for specifically raccoons, possibly squirrels, and cats. We'll talk about that a little later on. Also coming up on the show this week, I'm excited to have Jim Caudell here. He's the director of Parks and Rec for the uh, city of Nitro, West Virginia, which is, what is Nitro? Seven or eight miles from here. They have a lake in Nitro. It's called Ridenour Lake. And this is a beautiful area. It's become a bird hotspot. And these guys in Nitro, they've really kind of overhauled the city. They've gone in, they've straightened out, uh, you know, uh, the way the city looks. It's basically a living tribute to World War I. And so the, the, the town is very old, but they've cleaned it up, and they've been working up at uh, Ridenour Lake for, for a couple of years now. Uh, Jim Cottell is behind all that. He's been leading the way, and uh, that place just looks outstanding. I went through there uh, about a week ago, and, and I actually messaged him, and I was like, dude, I don't, you got all the work you guys are doing in Nitro. Nitro looks beautiful. They had already done the work to the lake. So if you're into waterfowl, if you like the water birds, you're going to see a bunch of them up there. Not to mention owls and woodpeckers, all the songbirds, all the passerines, but two different kinds or possibly three different kinds of ducks. They had a Muscovy duck up there at one point. Jim himself sent me pictures of a double-breasted cormorant that he took up there. So so they've got some some pretty unique birds at Ridenour Lake. That's located in Nitro, West Virginia. We're going to have Jim on the show. We're going to talk about that. I also got to thinking about 
the other day when I was uh, just kind of leafing through one of the books that I reviewed a couple of weeks ago here on the West Virginia Nest podcast, and it was called World of Watchers. And it was basically a history of birding in the United States. And in that book, they talk about different people who sort of pioneered bird watching. And they mentioned that both President Roosevelt's were avid birders. I mean, serious birders, both of them. So I got to kind of thinking about that, and I thought, I wonder who the most famous bird watchers uh, in the world were or are, living and dead. People that were known to be bird watchers who were also celebrities or, you know, political figureheads or whatever. So I did a little research and I've come up with uh, some of the most popular uh, people to ever watch birds that are people that we would also know either from acting or music or politics or something like that. So we'll run down a list of famous birders. I just thought that would be fun. We're also going to continue our summer bucket list. Now, I started mine last week, and I hit a snag this week. During the podcast for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be keeping a summer list. This is a wish list of birds, birds that it's feasible that we could actually actively go out and look for and possibly find and check off our life list. These are birds we've never seen before, not, you know, in person. And so we decided a couple of weeks ago that we or actually last week we started it, uh, that we would keep a list. And I said, you know, five would be good. I don't know how busy you are. You, you, if you're retired or whatever, and you've got time for 10, do 10. If you can only do three, do three. Uh, I, I said I was going to put down five. And the beauty of this list is you could put it in front of you uh, every day. Put it like on the refrigerator or somewhere like that where you see it every day. And it kind of serves as a motivator. If you go to the fridge and you're going to get a soda, maybe sit down and watch some TV and it's, say it's four o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday and it's a beautiful day, you see that list and you think, what am I doing to see that scarlet tanager or summer tanager? Or, you know, uh, whatever bird you've got on there. And it might get you out to a park somewhere. And the, what's the worst that could happen? Get a little exercise? Whatever. So we're going to continue our list this week. Now, I came up with three birds, and I wanted to do five. Uh, my birds were red-headed woodpecker, which I've never seen. Cape May warbler, which is number one on my list. And I, and I went ahead and, and said I was going to do a painted bunting. But I got to look into my schedule for the rest of the summer. They have got us booked the radio station that I work for, my regular job, at every fair and festival uh, within central to southern West Virginia all summer long. I am not going to have three days to go looking for a painted bunting. So I had to cross the painted bunting off. I'm back to two birds. I'll I'll replace it. I'm going to do five birds. Just I don't think this year painted bunting is going to make the list. And I, I, I would love to see that. And I did that sort of on a whim, most of you remember. But uh, we'll replace it. Hopefully, it'll be this week. So the idea is, as we talk about these different birds that are seen in and around the state, or maybe I mentioned a bird that you've never heard of, and you Google it, and you think, wow, that's beautiful, and we have that here, close to here, and you think you want to add that to your summer list, then do it. It's either called a bucket list or a wish list. But, but any bird that you see this year that you have on your list is going to be checked off on your life list or added to your life list. So that's the way that works. And one last thing before we jump into the podcast head first here. Next week, we are going to have right here on the West Virginia Nest podcast, Dave Dendler Jr. He's one of my favorite naturalists in the world. Uh, Dave is over at Kanawha State Forest. He's from New Jersey, went to to school in uh, Morgantown up at WVU. Man, you talk about a dude that knows his birds. Dave Dendler knows his birds. I've learned so much from birding with Dave uh, quite a few times over the last couple of years. And just a super nice guy. 
And if you ever get the opportunity to bird with him, you're going to love it. So he's going to be on the show next week. We're going to do a brand new feature, and it's called 10 Questions for a Naturalist. What is what is a question you've always wanted to ask a bird expert, basically? Or we don't even have to relegate it to birds. If you have a question about any species of animal or plant or whatever, chances are Dave Denler can answer that question for you. He's uh, he's just, just superhuman when it comes to birds. Sounds will be hiking through the forest. He's like, ah, right there. You hear it? Teacher, 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 teacher. There's an oven bird. I'm like, I thought it was a mosquito. I thought it was one of those, what do they call them? Katydids or whatever. <laughs> so that's how I learned how what an oven bird was and what it looked like and what it sounded like. And that's from Burden with Dave Denler. So your chance to ask the naturalist. Dave Denler Jr. is going to be on the show next week. You can post your questions to him on our Facebook page, WV Nest on Facebook. You can email them to me at wvnest at gmail.com. Send them through Facebook, private message if you want, or post them on our Facebook page. The West Virginia Nest Podcast is on the air. Everybody, this broadcast is coming to you through the courtesy of Brighto and its six delicious flavors chocolate, vanilla, cranberry, strawberry, and raspberry. Ouch! It's still raspberry. <laughs> the wild, wonderful birds of West Virginia. You just can't do any type of show without a little Leonard Skinner. You're not cool until you play Leonard Skinner. Ultimately, that's the thing. Growing up playing music, I was a drummer and a harmonica player <laughs> in the bars. And that's always the joke when you're playing in the bars. Play some Freebird! <laughs> so there you go. I played some Freebird for you. By the way, happy Mother's Day. Today is Mother's Day. And I wish I found something for you moms out there, your grandmothers you got kids, you're a mom. Happy Mother's Day. I ran across this on Audubon.com, and I wish I'd found it last week because it's so cool. If you're looking for a very unique gift, now this may still be going on. It may go on for a while. So go check it out yourself, Audubon.com. But give the gift of a a ruby-throated hummingbird adoption. It's like one of those things where you adopt a star, where you buy somebody a star and you pay like, $400 or whatever it costs, and they name a star after them, and they send them a certificate. This is kind of like this, except it costs $40. And what you get for $40 is you get a lifelike, they say it's lifelike. It's not lifelike at all, but it's cute. A lifelike plush male ruby-throated hummingbird that plays a recording uh, of a hummingbird's chirp when it's squeezed. So you get a stuffed ruby-throated hummingbird, a male. And you get a personalized adoption certificate and a letter from the Audubon CEO, David Darnold, for $40. Now, the gift itself, the money is going to go to the Conservation Society. It's going to help out. It's going to help save those hummingbirds, in effect. But uh, you get the, you know, the little certificate where you adopted a hummingbird. This was your Mother's Day gift this year. And you get the plush toy. And so it's really neat. And I'm not sure, like I said, I don't know if this is still going on. It may just be through Mother's Day. I printed it up, and I was looking for a date here, an expiration date, and I don't see one. So just go to Audubon.com, and it should pop right up. That's how I saw it. It just popped right up. And if not, uh, go to the Audubon Gift Center 
and see if it's still in there. If you got somebody that lives, you know, far away, like if you're separated from your mom or whatever, you can just say, hey, I, I got you this really cool gift. It's going to be a few extra days. Buy yourself a little time. And I mean, I, who wouldn't love something like that? If you're a birder or if particularly, if, you know, if they're into birds, it's the perfect gift. And hopefully it'll still be going on for you. But check that out, Audubon.com. Last week, I was flipping through one of my favorite bird books. You may remember when I reviewed a book called A World of Watchers. I think it was week number two. What are we on? Week four? Yeah, we're on week four. It would have been week number two. So two weeks ago, I uh, reviewed that on the Bird Book Review. Uh, World of Watchers. It's a fantastic book. It's not a bird book per se. Not a field guide, definitely. It is a book on the history of bird watching in the United States of America, uh, starting with the Native Americans. And the reverence and the respect and the names that they have for birds. And then it picks up with the, the, the pilgrims and it covers, you know, the Spanish and what they did. But then it gets into more famous uh, birders, people that you've heard of like Audubon, people like Peterson, Sibley. You know, you know these last names because they're on your bird books at home. But it tells the stories of how these people came to be so uh, into birds that they wrote a book. And, and a lot of these books, Peterson, you know, those are the defining authority when it comes to field guides. A couple of the people that they talked about in there, and definitely the only two that were famous for something else and also known as birders, were both President Roosevelt's. They were both avid birders. And they go through uh, really a detailed description of both and, and how often they birded and what they looked for and who they corresponded with about their birding and things like that. And it just kind of got me to thinking, who are some people who are famous or were famous who are bird watchers also? And so I did the research and I came up with a list of a bunch of people who are famous for something else. Some of them already knew. Some of them are a complete surprise. But these people are, you know, either they either play music or they're movie stars or they're famous for something else, political figurehead possibly. And uh, so I just thought it would be kind of fun to throw these out here. Famous bird watchers. If you're a bird watcher, you share some pretty good company here. Uh, my first and favorite, probably my favorite bird watcher is Neil Peart. Do you know who Neil Peart is? He is probably the best drummer in the world. In, in the world of drummers and the music world, when it comes to the old timers, we can say that. Neil's, he's older than I am, and I'm 48. But uh, people like Stuart Copeland, Neil Peart, um, there are some great drummers out there. And Neil Peart is known to be one of the best drummers in the world. He's a drummer for the band Rush. Rush has been together for what, like 40-some years, probably? Neil Peart is also uh, an author. He writes books. Mostly motorcycle adventurous. Now, those of you who know me personally, you know I'm a motorcycle guy. And so, Neil Peart is just right up my alley because i tell you something about this guy. Aside from being a bird watcher, we've established that this guy went through such tragedy in his life. Back in, I want to say, about 1996, he lost his daughter who was just a teenager. She was going to college. And within a year, he lost his wife uh, from a broken heart. They call it cancer. He calls it a broken heart. So this guy, what does he do? He jumps on his motorcycle. He rides a, a BMW GSX 1100, I think it is. And he just drives. He goes first up to the Arctic Circle. He goes all the way past Alaska. Uh, back down. He's Canadian, by the way. Back down into Canada. Back down through the U.S. to Mexico and back to Canada. And his second book, I think, was the first book of his that I ever read. 
and it's called Ghost Rider, Travels on the Healing Road. If you ever get a chance, if you ever see this book or you want to order it, if you're into motorcycles and things like that, you're going to love Neil Peart. But he is an avid birder, and he writes a lot about birds. As part of his journal, which is basically what most of his books are, uh, a traveling experience. He's got one about cycling in Africa. Of course, he's got, uh, and, I'm, and I'm looking at my bookcase, he's got one called Traveling Music, where he goes through music of the late 50s, 60s, 70s during a trip. So he writes about that. Uh, he wrote about you know his, his healing road travel. He's got a book called Roadshow, another excellent book. But uh, it's basically a journal of his journey, and birds are included in that. And he's very knowledgeable. Neil Peart is a smart dude. Not only is he a great writer, probably a better writer than he is a drummer, and he's widely known to be the best drummer in the world, but uh, he's one who who actually made my list. I actually put him at number one, but we'll move on. I don't want to get too far off the track here. If you ever get a chance to read a book by the drummer Neil Peart for Rush, do it. Jimmy Carter, former President Carter. He's been a big birder. He Actually, Jimmy has uh, birded in over 25 different countries you can believe that. So I'd like to take a look at his life list. Prince Philip is a birder. Laura Bush is a birder. George W. Bush's wife, she's a big time birder. Uh, Paul McCartney from the Beatles. We get a little Beatles music here. Blackbird singing in the dead of night. Take these broken wings and learn to fly all your life. We're only waiting for this moment to arise. That's probably what inspired that song. I wonder if Paul was a, a birder when he was young. I'm not sure if you're into horror movies or... And I think some of these are, are really kind of horror movies for kids. But Wes Craven, the director of just numerous uh, horror movies. He's a big time birder. You remember Daryl Hannah? She was a movie star. I guess she's still around. Um, she was in the movie Splash. Was it Tom Hanks that was in that movie? <laughs> I have no idea. Daryl Hannah's a birder. Uh, Mick Jagger, believe it or not. The Mick from the Rolling Stones. Loves birds. Fidel Castro, the dictator of Cuba. He was uh, a big time birder. Agatha Christie. Some of you may read uh, horror. Or, well, I guess hers would be more like suspense. Things like that. But Agatha Christie was a big birder. Albert Einstein was a birder. See? Just goes to show you. Smart people were birders. Uh, of course, both President Roosevelt's talked about that. Winston Churchill was a big birder, too. But let's go back to the Roosevelt's. I actually found uh, on the internet, let me bring this up, Theodore Roosevelt's birding list, if you can believe that. Here we go. President Roosevelt's birding list. Now, this is from 1910. It's a long story. I'll make it short for you. Somebody visited the White House, and I want to say it was possibly somebody from a birding magazine that specifically wanted to interview him about his birding. And they asked if uh, he would provide a list of birds that he's seen. And he was like, why don't I just do this? Why don't I write you out a list of all the birds that I've seen here at the White House? And this has been published numerous times. It's out there on the Internet. You can find it. But I was looking through some of the birds that he wrote down. And again, this 
goes back to 1910 here. Uh, he's got some good birds on there. Some birds you wouldn't necessarily expect to see in Washington, D.C., but you have to remember the time. We've killed off 70% of our birds, but in 1910, there were a lot more birds around and, and less urban characteristics, even with the big cities. So he did have some great birds on there. Morning doves, quail. Uh, can you imagine quail on the White House lawn, roughed grouse, sharp-shinned hawk, red-shouldered hawk, and I'm not going to go through all these, but uh, a screech owl, saltwet owl, got a couple of owls on there, yellow-billed cuckoo. If you've ever visited D.C. and gone around the White House, try to picture a, a hairy woodpecker or a yellow-billed cuckoo. Yes, there are some birds around, but those are birds that normally we find you know, closer to the forest. Sapsuckers, kingbird, great-crested flycatcher, Phoebe, horned lark even, fish crow, orchard oil, bobolinks. Uh, red-winged blackbird, Baltimore Oriole, Meadowlark. These are all birds that he saw at the White House. And I just found that genuinely interesting. That uh, such an urban sprawl like Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, D.C., that he would find these birds that are typically, you know, closer to forests or, or you know, at least uh, less urban places. I just found that interesting. So there you go. There's your list of uh, the most famous celebrity bird watchers of all time from the West Virginia Nest Podcast. Got questions about birds? We'll find you an answer. It's the West Virginia Nest Podcast. Email us your comments or questions at wvnest at gmail.com. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at wvnest. Welcome back to the West Virginia Nest Podcast, everybody. I am your host, Kid Conley. Got a special guest in the studio this week and next week, too. Uh, this week, we got Jim Caudell, who is the, uh, you're the director of Parks and Rec for the City of Nitro, Yes, right? sir. Parks and Rec director. Man, you guys have really cleaned up Nitro. I, w- I went through Nitro about a week ago, and I just couldn't believe the changes. You it's, spearheaded that, didn't you? Well, I was—I wouldn't say I spearheaded. I was one of the one of the people that's uh, that is uh, implementing the you're plan. Like, you're like I was there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just a—it's it's part of an ongoing uh, an ongoing thing that we're doing with the with the city of Nitro. Uh, you know, the the cleanup, the beautification, uh, revamping the old buildings. You know, we're just we're 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 turning it around from what it used to be and we've come so far and we've got a long, long way to go on, uh, on things. And it's just going to make it be better every year. And you guys have started like in recent years, I don't know, maybe the past three or four years, but you, you guys are doing a lot of events throughout the year too. Yeah, we do tons of events. I mean, Nitro is uh, becoming, uh, known as the place to go to, if you're looking for an event. I mean, we have, uh, everything from uh, chili cook-off, uh, beer fest, uh, to... Uh, What's the big Halloween thing you guys do? Oh, that is the Festival of Fright. That's the one everybody talks yeah, about. Yeah, Festival of Fright's <laughs> awesome. Uh, it is a great, great thing. Uh, you know, we do the movies, we have the the haunted trails and all that. Oh, it's a fun for the whole family. And uh, the regatta, we're doing the regatta again. This year's going to be our second year for that's, the Ride Now Regatta. That's right. You guys started regatta last year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we had a really good turnout last year, and we expect uh, almost double that this year. I'll tell you, one of the reasons why I wanted to have Jim in the studio is because if you go through eBird, and a lot of us report uh, sightings to eBird, you can go on eBird. Now, you can't do this on the app. But you can go onto a computer and you go to ebird.org or whatever. I get to hear my chicks. I hear the chicks, yeah. Have, have you heard the, on the podcast me talking? Yeah. About, well, well, now you see I'm not making this up. Now I know, Listen, yeah. being fed. I'm going to turn the mic up. 
when I record, uh, <laughs> doing my voiceover stuff during the week, I got to I got to record around their schedule, and it's literally during the day. It slowed down a little bit. It, at first, it was about every fifteen or twenty minutes yeah. they got fed. Now it's more like every hour. It's, so it's funny you do that because I was sitting uh, in in my living room and uh, we were watching TV, and I was like, I turned the TV down. I was like, Hey, did you hear that? And I looked over to my girlfriend, and she she's like, I don't hear anything. I was like, Listen. Next thing you know, it's like you hear the same chair. I got a bunch of, I got a Robin's nest up and then. I don't mind sharing. I no, mean, no. It's, a, it's a little, uh, I don't even want to say annoying. It doesn't annoy me, but it's a little inconvenient when you've got a bird's nest in the attic right over top of uh, a voiceover studio. It's it's a little tough. <laughs> that could be a little These are actually, uh, they're house finches. I've seen them fly in and out. I've seen yeah. the mom and dad uh, come and go. And uh, there, were, there are some chicks in the nest. It's another one of those, uh, you know, sometimes they'll have three birds a year. Usually for them, it's two. But uh, in any case, yeah, I got to work around their schedule. And, I, and and it's great. Now I have a witness. Like the only other person that knew that I was telling the truth about this was my wife because she had heard them. But when I do this podcast and I start uh, what I call bird casting, <laughs> when I start this and those birds start chirping, I'll turn up the mic and it, it almost sounds like I'm putting a sound clip in there. But that's actually just... Me turning up the mic. So now I got a witness. Yep, yep. You I heard, heard it. it. I heard uh, it. So big changes down in Nitro. A lot of good stuff going on. They're cleaning up that city. They're renovating an old theater down there. Yes. And, yes, the uh, old Nitro Theater. The main reason I got Jim in here is to tell you about Ridenauer Lake. Um, if you go to eBird, like I was telling you earlier, if you go to eBird.org or .com, whatever it is, I can't remember what it is. Just go to eBird on your computer, not on your phone. You can get a listing of hot spots in your area of where birds are concentrated. And time and time again over the last, I don't know, year and a half or two years, I have seen uh, Ridenauer Lake. Ridenauer Lake. Somebody saw double-breasted cormorant at Ridenauer Lake. Got Somebody pictures saw, of that. And yeah, you actually did get yes. pictures of it. Yes, uh, Muscovy duck down at uh, Ridenauer Lake. So Ridenauer Lake's become a hot spot for birds, and uh, the man is here to talk about all the birding you can do. Not not just the birding, but the new trails and stuff that they got going on at Ridenauer Lake. Oh, yeah, we have tons of trails. We, we have built new trails. We've got... I can tell you um, how many mountain bike trails we have now. Uh, we have one uh, one person in Nitro. Uh, he's an avid biker. His name's Tracy Toller, and he has just completely taken ownership over the trails. I mean, he has like building them. Yes, Designing. he gets out there. Does he designs them and he goes out and he builds them a lot of time by himself. Can't be a bad thing to have a like a professional biker design the trails. Oh no, not at all. I mean, uh, it's you ought to see some of these things he's done, and uh, he's doing all the work as far as you know putting up the trail names we're going to name the trails he's going to do all the woodwork and put up the wood plaques for the trail names and all that and coming really soon uh we're going to have a pump track now if you're not familiar with that basically what that is it's kind of like a a um, uh, a humped track and you don't pedal on it it's just you, you know you pump your bike and yeah that's how you go and you it's, put uh, your own bike or is it a special bike no it's uh, your own bike yep it's uh i guess i'd have to see it to understand yeah what the heck you're talking well about. it kind of just uh, i tell you uh, imagine a um imagine an rc car track you know how they how the rc car tracks look right. with the humps that's basically what it is for bicycles but it can also double as an rc track rc car track because we got people wanting to you know interested in doing that too so but if you don't pedal how does the bike move 
Well, you just use your motion. You, you, you get going, and then you just use your motion. You know, like you like your. Oh, okay. You so, know, so you're not going to be going tearing through there at thirty miles an hour. Right, 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 yeah, right, right. Okay. It's nothing like that. But. So, in terms of birding, now I came down there uh, about a year ago and walked that the big trail. I think it was like the only. Maybe it might have been, at the time, the only trail you The had. trail that goes all the way around all the lake. All the way around yeah. the lake. And, and unfortunately, I was there during the heat of the day, but I still saw a good amount of birds. I, I know I saw a couple of chickadees. Uh, I actually have video. There was, <laughs> at the far end of the lake, not the end where you start the trail, but the one where you finish the trail, there was uh, uh, just a, I called it a marching, I, I think I posted the video on West Virginia Nest on the Facebook page, of geese. And there must have been... Two, three hundred geese just marching from out of the mountain down to the water. Yeah. And I think I put it like a march uh, music <laughs> behind it. And it was funny, but I'd never seen so many geese and goslings in my life. Uh, we have a ton of geese up there. Um, it's, I don't want to say it's, it, it's a problem. Uh, you know, geese it's just, are a problem. You can say that. Well, I mean, no. they, I mean, they are, um, they're everywhere up there. Uh, the 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 uh, the new ones just uh, the new the new uh, new batch just came out and you, you know, <laughs> the new batch yeah the new batch yeah <laughs> you know I'm just uh, they came out you you can see that they're they're the cutest little things when they're when they're little fledglings and when they're little like that I mean they're just they're the cutest little things geese are mean and I'll I'll say it again I've said it before and I've I've posted it on the West Virginia uh, Nest Facebook page sometimes when you're accosted by a goose sometimes you just gotta you gotta smack a goose. I mean, literally, to get them off of you, to get them to leave you alone, you might be there to look at the other birds or whatever, and you keep your distance, because if you get close to a goose, especially if it's got goslings, that thing oh, yeah. will attack you. Oh, yeah. Well, it can't really hurt you. But um, they, It's just that hiss they give to you when they, you get it close. And, and they, they can bite pretty hard. So, you know, best defense is just smack one. That's all well, you Well, you know, do. we did have to Not capture to hurt it, but... We did have to capture one because it had a fish hook and line wrapped in its leg, and we actually we captured it. And I bet it ate you up, didn't it? Uh, it tried to. I mean, I got a couple. <laughs> I got a couple little good nips out of it, but uh, you know, we we took the fishing the fishing line out of its leg and the hook and and got it all unwrapped and everything, which was a good thing. So you know, we try to try to be nice to our all our all of our animal friends up there. Sure, of course. But, you you want to um, get rid of those geese? Get you a couple of uh, uh, swan decoys. That's what I heard. That's they, what will, heard. they will run the geese off, but you don't want to do it while there they're are goslings. Wait a little bit, and, yeah, and because uh, we, we want to, we want those guys to grow up and be able to fly out of there. Geese are birds too. You gotta love them, but gosh darn it, they're mean. <laughs> they're they're a little mean. <laughs> so, what um, other birds are people reporting up there? Uh, well, uh, we have. Uh, Blue herons up there. I mean, you can come up there and find, find the blue herons up there all the time. Beautiful. You got any yeah. green? I've got green herons. Oh yeah, those yeah. are my favorite. I, I, I sat and videoed one for about twenty minutes the other day. He was and just probably sit- didn't move, did it? Oh, uh, he was just sitting on a log. <laughs> he was completely focused on that water, waiting for a minnow to come by, and it was just amazing it how is. how he just sat there motionless and just finally a minnow came by and he just bam and it was like blink of an eye. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was done. They're they're amazing to watch. Oh yeah, they are. Uh, of course, you know we we have our regular you know. Your your regular native ducks uh, that are here, that that are around here. Um, you got the white duck and the black duck. And yeah. The, now, do you guys have wood ducks up there? There are yes, there are wood ducks. There actually, we have a little family of wood ducks that are living up there right now. Sweet. Now that's that's one yeah. that I actually need on my list. Yep, we do have the wood ducks. Um, when you start walking on the trails, though, you know you get into the woods, and you know we got forty three acres. the The lake takes up twenty, I think twenty, twenty, twenty three, twenty four acres of it. We got forty three acres uh, of land up there, and we got everything. Uh, 
we got the woodpecker species. We got th- three woodpecker species that I've seen. You know, you got the, the red bellied, um, the um, probably hairy and downy. Yeah, yeah. Probably got there's pileated two. too. With there, there, yep, there is pileated. There is pileated. No, so wait a second. Four, so when I was there, I the saw hairs, a northern yep. flicker. So that's five. Um, I now, I haven't seen a flicker. Now, I, you, I remember you telling me you've seen a flicker. Yeah, there, there, are, but, there are flickers up there. So that's five. Yep. And uh, you may, I, I can't see you not having red-headed woodpeckers. So you probably got at least six. And uh, there could be, you probably got them all up there. I, I would say we probably do. But like I said, the ones I've seen. So that's what I've seen. I, you found so an far. owl feather up there. And you, yes. Because you sent me a picture of it. And, and it, it was, was, that was a barred owl. Yeah, barred owl. And it was, uh, it, the, the, it was tattered at the ends, which is usually an indication that it's a, an owl because the owls, the feathers are kind of, I don't want to say tattered, but they're kind of really thin on the end, which which allows them to fly silently yeah. to, to get the prey. So it was definitely an owl feather. Yeah, I'm pretty sure what the, uh, from what I've heard from, uh, you know, other people's like, oh man, you should have seen the owls up there. And then they described it to me and they're describing a barred owl. Right. So I'm, I'm. So you haven't actually seen it. I haven't actually seen it. Yeah, other people have, and you know they were describing it. And I'm like, yeah, it sounds like you got a. We got we have a barred owl up there. We might have to go up there and do a walkthrough about eight, eight, nine o'clock. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, of course, you know we got the your regular. We got morning doves. We got uh, you know your robins. Your your basic how species you see all the songbirds. Yeah, exactly. Uh, tip mouses, towhees, sparrows. Uh, Oh, oh, I remember what I was going to tell you now. If you go back, when you go, like, you're getting ready to go on the trail, uh, you go back to the dog park. Now, you I didn't can, even know there was a dog park there's back a dog, there. Yeah, there. Is that new? No, it's been there for a while. We're actually getting ready to completely revamp it as well. Um, that's where our uh, pump track's going to be. It's, like, close to the, the dog park back there. Okay. But if you go back there on that trail, now, you can go on the trail or you can go... There's no trail, but you can go behind the dog park and walk up through there. It gets a little rocky and everything. I went up there the other day, seen something in a tree. I was like, unbelievable. I was like, man, that is the bluest thing I've ever seen in my life. And uh, it was a bunting. It was an indigo, indigo an indigo, indigo bunting. Yeah. I mean, it was just amazing. It was just sitting up there on a trail. I was like, wow. Tell you what uh, we've been doing now that now that you're telling me that uh, for the I don't know if you've listened to the podcast for the last couple of weeks, but we're keeping a wish list for the summer. And I told everybody to pick five birds and put it on the wish list. Feas- pick feasible birds that are close to you, and uh, just hang that list up on your refrigerator or whatever. And it serves as a motivator for you to get out and see five new birds that you can add to your life list. I had a, I had a painted bunning on there last week, and I had to take it off because it's just not looking at my summer schedule. It's going to be too busy. But the indigo bunting I have not seen. I don't think I have to go back and check my life list. But that could be my bird number three. That could replace the painful bunting. Sorry to interrupt you, but no, it's no, it's fine. I'll do this out loud. Yeah, <laughs> I used to be <laughs> here by myself. So yeah, we got swifts up there. Beautiful swifts. I know you got swallows too. Yep, swallows. All There's the swallows, swallows up there. Probably have um, banks. Probably there go my birds again. I hear them. Yep. Probably got bank and barn swallows up there, and I know you've got tree swallows. So yeah, three species of swallows up there. Uh, then finch. We got the the gold American goldfinch. I got finches. Yeah. You hear them? <laughs> I got the. <laughs> don't need to go far to see those, do you? Uh, let's uh, robins, of course, and uh, had to save a robin this morning. Oh yeah, you were telling yeah, me about that. We got yeah. pictures too. What yeah. happened with that? That uh, was in your yard, though. That was right? in my you yard. In yeah, Nitro. yeah. I live. Uh, yep, yeah, not too far from the lake. Yeah, I went outside to let my dog out this morning. You know, got up and. Looked outside and there was a uh, there was a bunch of grackles on the ground and there's a ton ton most robins I've ever seen in my life in one spot. 
on the wires and a bunch of grackles. And I looked over, and my dog starts immediately running over toward the end of the fence, and there's a uh, there's a fledgling uh, robin there. And, you know, of course, he, he's trying to fly. He can't fly and everything. So I was like, get away, get away, Roxy, get away from there. So I had to run in, throw some shorts on, go outside, and uh, the grackles were trying to attack well, it. Were you naked? And why? Well, <laughs> just kidding. Move on. You don't, yeah, yeah. We, that's another show I'm doing later. Um, but uh, so uh, I go in, uh, or I go in, get dressed, and I, I run out, and I and I grab it, and uh, you know, I just put him in my hand, and I'm cuffing him. I'm like, okay, well, let me look and see if I see anything around here. And there's a couple nests around my house, but I don't know exactly where they're at. I see them going in and out, but no, any, no, nowhere I can reach. So, you know, I carry it around a little bit and I'm sitting there and I'm just lightly petting its head with my thumb. The thing just nestled down like it was all nice and comfortable. Everything was had its eyes closed. And I swear to you, the thing was per. I (laughs) never heard of it before in my life. I swear the bird was purring. You you made him feel safe. I swear that bird was purring. So I looked around a little bit and I started walking around and, you know, I noticed that there was these two robins that were following me everywhere I went as long as I had that bird in my hand. So I was like, well, this has to be its parents. So I walked on up the road a little bit and they kept on following me. All the other birds were back down. So I was like, yeah, these got to be the parents of it. So I put him up in a tree and they flew up on a house and they looked down after I backed off and they flew down to the tree. And so hopefully, happy ending. Yeah. Hopefully hopefully a happy ending. So, 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 so much stuff going on at Ridenour Lake. Where exactly is Ridenour Lake? If you go to uh, Nitro, first of all, for, for our listeners who are not familiar with the town of Nitro, why is it named Nitro? Do you know that story? Uh, Nitro was built in 1917. It was built by the U.S. government as an explosive ordnance plant. So, uh, so did they uh, literally manufacture they, nitroglycerin? They manufactured, uh, yeah, well, they manufactured gunpowder is what they did. Um, they named the town Nitro. They manufactured gunpowder for World War for the war effort for World War One, and that's how our town was born, and... Um, that's just the the name stuck, and it, it's been Nitro ever since 1917. And what is Nitro about? Seven or eight miles west of Charleston? Uh, about yeah, about that. And it's yeah. a, it's a small town, but but it's not too small. No, we're you t- here's what you do: come to Charleston, get on 64 West, like you're going toward Huntington. And I don't know, seven or eight miles probably. Yeah, you, about that. There's a Nitro exit. You yeah, there's a Nitro there exit. The exit. Make a left off the exit, right? Make a left. Yep. And then and that uh, that puts you on twenty five. Okay, and then and that's you the main, turn left onto what street uh, to get 20, to the, to get to ride now? Twenty twenty first Street. Twenty first Street. So yeah. follow twenty first Street. You're going to think this ain't taking me nowhere, but up in the mountain. And then all of a sudden you come out at the lake, and it's a yeah. Beautiful well, you go through a residential. You go through like a the business district, and you drive. Uh, you know the antique district. You go you go down, then you do, uh, you're into a residential district. You come up over a little hill, and you're thinking, "Where's our lake?" And as soon as you crest that little hill, bam! There's this big, huge, beautiful lake and right there, front. And it's beautiful up there. I mean, it's just the kind of place. Now, I wanted to ask you too, uh, but but yeah, it is beautiful. So you come out up there, and, and the lake is a lot bigger than you think it is. It is, especially yeah. when you take the trail, because you only kind of really just see a part of it. You don't see how far it goes it kind of dog legs i guess yeah a little bit yeah so uh but uh what's the deal with the lake can you can you put a kayak in there yes you can put a kayak in there uh you can put a john boat as as long as you don't have a motor on it there's no you we can't you can't have motors in the lake but uh kayaks john boats anything like that Um, you want to you want to take a little blow up raft up there take you a blow up raft up there we we encourage people to use the lake as much as possible i was gonna say you guys did anything that floats race yes yes we did so you got all these events going on I, I hate to put you on the spot if you don't have the dates in front of you but w- what are the date when is regatta regatta is july 20th july 20th and it's right. it's one day it's one day well 
the July 19th, the way we kick off our regatta is we do a catfish tournament. And that is July 19th. Right. And then July 20th is the actual regatta. Yeah, it's just it's going to be a lot of fun this year. We're, we've been doing a big health and wellness kick. Our mayor uh, actually kicked this whole thing off uh, when he started posting his weight loss online. He wanted to get healthier and lose some weight, so he started posting his weight loss online. And it just kind of turned into this huge health and wellness initiative that we're doing in Nitro. So, I mean, we have, uh, you know, we're doing yoga classes now, um, all kinds of different things like that. And we're going to incorporate all that into the regatta this year. So all the events at the regatta this year is going to have something to do with getting out, getting active, you know, getting healthy. And that's what we're doing this year with the regatta. Sweet. So what's that date again? That is July the 20th. July 20th, regatta in Nitro, West Virginia. There's some great burden up there at Riding Hour Lake. Jim, thanks so much for coming in, giving us your time. and well, Thanks for having s- me. We're going to see you at regatta this year. It's time for the West Virginia Nest Birding Calendar. As always, if you got a birding event, a nature walk, anything along those lines uh, coming up, even if your bird club just meets on a specific day of the week, if you want to get that information to us, we'd be glad to put it on for you absolutely free of charge. Send it to me through Facebook. Uh, go to the West Virginia Nest Facebook page and just send me a message, or you can email me at wvnest at gmail.com, or you can send it to my personal email, kidconley, K-I-D-D-C-O-N-L-E-Y at yahoo.com, and we'll get those on for you. A couple of things going on in and around the state. Coming up May 18th, 7.30 a.m., Cooper's Rock State Forest. I've been reading a lot about Cooper's Rock, and that place has been designated now for uh, specific birds. Uh, Morgantown Migratory Bird Day going on May 18th. Starts at 7.30 a.m. Katie Fallon and uh, LeJay Graffius, I hope I got that name right, are going to lead a walk to experience the birds of our local state forest. Going to meet at the Raven Rock Trailhead. Again, that's going to be May 18th, 7.30 a.m. Cooper's Rock State Forest. May 18th, they're doing Kids to Parks Day. It's uh, sort of a, I guess, a state holiday. Well, no, it's national. A national day of outdoor play for kids and their families in parks across the country. Now, Blackwater Falls is going to be celebrating with a beginner's bird walk at 9 a.m. This is a perfect opportunity to get your kids into birding if they've shown any interest whatsoever. If they Maybe they're just spending a little too much time on the video games inside. You want to get them out and see some beauty. They're going to start with bubble painting at 10 a.m. They're going to do water cup races at 11 a.m., skull skins, and scat with slime making at 12.30 p.m., water balloons, pinata at uh, 1.30 p.m., and West Virginia snakes and crafts at 2.30. So full day, national day of outdoor play for kids and their families. And they're going to start that off with a beginner's bird walk at 9 a.m. Activities originate at the Nature Center, so meet there. Uh, Also includes opportunities to tie-dye a souvenir t-shirt just for a small fee, a little fee. So that's going on. Uh, they've got lots of Memorial Day weekend activities going on at Watoga State Park in Marlinton, West Virginia. These are free to attend. Very family friendly. Two activities uh, require a small purchase or rental to participate. Uh, they'll tell you all about that when you get there. But you're welcome to join in on the fun this Memorial Day. Uh, Friday, May 24th. This looks like my pick for the week. I think the, probably one of the most fun things to do. Friday, May 24, 2019, Watoga State Park, Marlinton, West Virginia. From 9 p.m. to 10 p.m., they're doing an owl prowl. Try saying that 10 times. Owl prowl. Uh, they're going to meet at the picnic shelter area and go on a short walk looking for and listening for uh, owls. 
They're going to be using some different calls for each of the different species of owls in the area and an attempt to be sure these birds of prey uh, come in. So be sure to wear closed-toed shoes. Flashlights are allowed. However, they ask that they are used minimally. And again, that's going to be Friday, May 24th, uh, 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. at Watoga State Park in Marlinton, West Virginia. That sounds like a heck of a lot of fun. And finally, more Memorial Day weekend activities. Nothing specific for birds here at Canaan Valley Resort and Conference Center. But here's the thing. If you go up to Canaan Valley, you're going to see a lot of birds. And they've got a lot of activities planned. Friday the 24th starts at 7 p.m. They're doing the paint and sip. They're doing the wagon rides. Uh, it continues all the way through Saturday. Continues all the way through Sunday. And then, of course, on Monday, they do that big Memorial Day uh, golf tournament on the golf course there. So lots of Memorial Weekend activities going on at Canaan Valley Resort and Conference Center. If you're looking for information, you can call 304-866-4121, extension 2678. A lot of stuff going on there uh, at Canaan Valley in West Virginia. So that's what's happening this week and the weeks to come in the state of West Virginia. You're listening to the West Virginia Nest Podcast, the wild, wonderful birds of West Virginia. With Kid Conley. Just about time to wrap things up this week. I'd like to thank Jim Caudell, the Director of Parks and Rec for the City of Nitro, for coming in. Uh, just a couple of quick little updates for you. I finally got to see my gray catbird. I was complaining last week that I had not seen one yet. I knew they were here. Everybody was posting pictures all around me. I had not seen a gray catbird, and I, it's so funny. I was talking to my wife and the night before I saw it, which would have been Saturday, Friday. I saw it Friday. And Thursday night, I told my wife, I was like, I don't understand. I've not seen a gray catbird this year. Now, you have to understand, the last place that we lived, we would get four or five dozen gray catbirds a day there. And we don't get that many here in the yard. We did get a few last year, but uh, I had not seen one this year. Finally got to see one. Got me thinking about the gray catbird that we had last year. And uh, many of you, if you follow the uh West Virginia Nest YouTube channel, you saw the video that I have on there. And if you haven't seen it, you got to go look at it. We had a gray catbird that would frequently come into the yard who could talk. Somebody had uh, apparently told the gray catbird, come here, come here, come here. And he also did other bird impersonations, which is not weird, but it's he would just go from, and I, I actually downloaded a clip from the video to play for you. This is our talking gray catbird from last year. So you can see somebody's uh, tried to coax him to come over to him. He's got that Eastern Tohi down pat, that drink your tea. Anyway, I thought he was amazing, and I thought you might enjoy that. You can actually see the video. You can see his beak move with the words coming out at our YouTube channel, WV Nest. There are also lots of pictures of him on our Instagram stream. Go to WV Nest on Instagram. And be sure to follow us here on Facebook, WV Nest on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We're on all three. That's going to wrap it up for this week. I appreciate you guys listening. Coming up next week, now, I do want to remind you, we're going to have uh, a, a naturalist in the studio. Got a brand new feature for you. It's called 10 Questions for a Naturalist. And we're going to have Dave Denler Jr., who's a naturalist uh, with Kanawha State Forest. One of my favorite birders ever. I told you that earlier. This guy is incredible. You want to learn a lot, go birding with Dave. And you get plenty of opportunities. They do a lot of bird walks on Saturdays, and we'll go over that. And hopefully Dave will have a complete schedule for everything that's going on at Kanawha State 
state forest. So if you're close to the Charleston area or within a couple of hours driving distance, I highly recommend birding with this guy. So post your questions. I'll give you an opportunity to do that this week. I'm going to do a post on our Facebook page. Uh, look for it. Uh, 10 questions for a naturalist. Something you've always wanted to ask a bird expert. We're going to have one right here on the West Virginia Nest Podcast next week. Dave Denler from Kanawha State Forest. So until next week, next Sunday, you guys, happy birding. Pack up all of my cares and woes. Here I go, singing lullaby by my blackbird. Where somebody waits for me, sugar sweet and honey, so is she. Bye-bye, my blackbird. You've been listening to the West Virginia Nest Podcast with Kid Conley. Join us next week for another exciting podcast dedicated to the wild, wonderful birds of West Virginia. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at WVNest. Email us your comments or questions at WVNest at gmail.com. Happy birding. Bye-bye.